want to stay where you're at, that's perfectly fine with me. Tonight, um, I want to talk about something that is um, near and dear to my heart. Thank you. Appreciate that. I want to talk about discipling people. And there is a big misconception that we only disciple people that are new. Um, I think that I'm, I'll be 48 this year, and I still find myself being discipled, and I don't see anything wrong with that. Amen? I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here tonight, and before anybody hits the back door and pulls out earplugs, I'm not that nervous tonight, so I'm not going to try to get rid of some of my uh, butterflies by singing a song in the wrong key, so be you can be happy for that. I think Brother Greg had one leg out the door already. Just kidding. Um, I want to start reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And um, so grateful tonight that Pastor and Bishop give us all an opportunity to stand before you and they trust us enough not to destroy anything when they leave. Um, I'm very grateful for the leadership in my life. I can't say enough good things about it. I'm, I'm, in all honesty, I think this is the best place I've ever been, and I'm so thankful that I was able to raise my children in this place. And they're almost raised, but that only means that we have another generation coming that can be blessed by being raised in this wonderful house of prayer and house of worship. Amen. So thank you, Brother Bradford. Thank you, Brother Frost. And um, reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 17, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men in cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. You may be seated tonight. I want to talk about discipling people. What would you say is the lifeblood of the church? How do you carry uh, the gospel from generation to generation? How is it that we can stand in this place? A church that was started in 1943 by Brother I.H. Terry and in uh, in 2019 stand in the same town and still proclaim the same truth and still proclaim the same gospel that was preached 
unto those men and women back then? What, what is it about this thing that is, allows us to keep doing the same thing that does not become monotonous, that is not a rut, that is not something that just becomes a habit, but is something that sustains us? And how do we keep doing that? I believe that it is the, the practice of discipling other people. Now, we have what we call a discipleship class, and most of our people that come through are new converts, and those are the ones we're trying to disciple. We're trying to bring them along. But every once in a while, I am blessed to have an older man or an older woman come in that has some seasoning, and they've got some prayers behind them, and they've got some revelation, and they sit and they give some insight most of the time there's not so many questions from them but there's insight that we don't always get to hear and I'm grateful for that point of view I'm so thankful for elders in a church when I came to this place almost 26 years ago now um, there were a lot more elders sitting in the pews than there are today and I know that time goes on and at that time I look like about a 15 year old kid um And now I look like one of the elders. It happens. But I hope and I pray that I make an impact on somebody and they can look at me as an elder. As I looked at some in this very church, this congregation, I looked around me and realized that there was some strength and there was some great people that were sitting amongst all of us. And I'm grateful to be a part of this church. Amen. Our ability to disciple others will determine the direction of a church. We cannot just sit idly by and hope that this thing keeps on going. Um, that's like buying a car in 1985 and you're still driving it. And you've never changed the oil and you've never put new tires on it. You've never changed the brakes and you've never changed the fluids anywhere in the car. That car is going to fall apart. Something's going to happen. If you still have a car that you've done that to from 1985, I'd like to have it because that must be a good one. It's got to be a really good one. But there's got to be some discipling. There's got to be some things that take place in the house of God. There's got to be people that step in and are willing to help those along that are new that come along. Amen. Examples of discipling in the scripture, we can look at Elijah who had Elisha. Elisha dropped everything he had going and he said, I will follow this man of God. And he didn't take his eyes off of him when Elijah was going to be leaving this world. There was no way that he was going to walk away from this relationship. He was not going to walk away from the man that he was so closely connected to because he understood that when this man leaves, I can have what he has because I have the same trust and belief in a God that Elijah had. And he got a double portion because he stayed with the man, the the man that God gave him. Moses had Joshua, and although Moses did so much and, and brought the children out of Egypt, there was some things that happened in his life that was not going to allow him to go into the promised land. And Joshua was the man that took his mantle, and he did so much, so much good because he was able to sit next to the man of God, and he, he learned some things from him. And so we see that this is another example of discipling. In the New Testament, Paul had Timothy. He talked to Timothy. He sent him letters. He prayed with Timothy. He taught Timothy. And one of the things that I think is such a big misconception is that the only people that are allowed to disciple are pastor and ministry that sit on the platform. 
pastor has a lot of things to do. And he can't disciple every person. And so as the pastor begins to disciple those below him, which are ministry, ministry also began to develop and disciple people under them. And people in the, in the pew, which are called laity or lay people, are people that also can take up this cross and take up the baton and become somebody that can disciple somebody. This church does a really good job of that. And I know that I'm probably preaching to the choir tonight, but this is something that's been on my heart for a long time. And understand that there has got to be a love for people and a love to see people succeed in order for there to be a great church. I love my bishop and I love my pastor. And somebody posted a picture of him praying right here on a, on a Thursday night prayer meeting. And I posted on there, I love to hear my bishop pray. Sometimes it's probably carnal of me, but I'll stop and listen. And I'm not trying to hear what he says because I'm nosy. I just like to hear him pray. He can't do it all. Pastor can't do it all. He can't be the one that runs around making sure that every new person is getting what they need when they come to the house of God. So there's got to be people that take up this baton and say, I'm willing to disciple someone. I'm willing to love somebody. I'm willing to do something to help somebody along in this process, in this walk with God. So our mandate to disciple others is clarified in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Verse 13 says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. And if you go further into the cha uh, next chapter, chapter 2, verse 2, he instructs, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So the progression of discipleship in this passage of Scripture especially is it follows this pattern. There's Paul, and there's Timothy, and then there are reliable people, and then there are others that come along. And so I guess I happen to be one of those um, reliable people. And I don't say that boastfully. But we have a lot of reliable people in this house tonight, and we have others in the house and we've got others coming along, and there, there are a ton of people here. Believe it or not, sometimes so many people say, I'm really not doing anything. And I don't feel like I've got a ministry. And my wife told me that I call out people too much sometimes. It's not always a, a um, criticism. But I happen to know that there was a person that talked to her. And I'm not going to name the person, but they they were lamenting because they felt like they didn't have a ministry and they didn't feel like they were involved in some area of ministry other than music. And this person happens to bring me an apple pie every time for my birthday. I don't take that as her trying to disciple me. She just loves me like a brother. Can I tell you that you can use that very thing? to help somebody along the way, a new person that comes in, to show them love, to show them compassion, to show them, hey, I may be just this person sitting in this great big building that you don't really know who I am and you don't know what I can do or my abilities, but this is what I can do. 
And so literally bringing a pie to somebody can be a part of discipling somebody. Believe that or not, it is true. And so what we want to do is find ways that we can do this. We don't have to, I don't believe that it's just a, discipleship is not just a, a thing where you get in a room and you're going to start lamb blasting them from, from the Bible and like, hey, this is the way it goes. And this scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, and, and you begin to just lay down the law. You don't have to do that. Sometimes it's so much easier just to show them who you are in everyday life. Amen? It's more than teaching. It's opening your life up to them like an open book. Sometimes we have to be vulnerable with people. I'll never forget one one time, probably um, six or eight years ago, I went to teach at a men's retreat, and I shared something that I had never shared with anybody to a bunch of men, things that had happened to me when I was younger, and it was hard, and yet there was a burden that was lifted off of me because I realized that in my being open and being vulnerable, I got a few people that came up to me and told me that it did something for them. It opened up a door for them that they, they thought was closed. And I did not realize at that moment that I was literally helping disciple somebody through a situation in their life that they thought there was no hope for. And that's the way it is with the things of God. Sometimes when you're trying to grow new leaders, you're trying to bring them into maturity. You're going to have to be transparent with them. You're going to have to let them know, you know what, you're not the first person that's ever had to traverse this, this crazy trail. You're not the first person that has come along this way and decided, you know what, this is just getting too hard. I, I don't understand all of the things of God, and I don't understand how to become better, and I don't know how to be perfect in God. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but that word perfect is a, is a wonderful thing when you read the word perfect in the word of God. Um, we're going to do that a few times tonight. Colossians 1 and 28 says, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be father followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. To some that may sound arrogant. But Paul was just telling him, look, if you want to know the way, it's not a hard thing. I'm doing everything I can to get to where Jesus is. I'm doing everything I can to be the person that I need to be in Christ. And so if you will watch me, I'm headed that way. I'm going to do everything I can to get there. You're going to have to trust that, that I have your best interest at heart. I really do. I, I want to see Jesus in everything that happens in my life, and if you will just follow me, I am trying to emulate him, and if you try to emulate me, you're going to also try, or you will also endeavor to emulate Christ. So, a lot of times people think that giving tasks to people are discipling them, and that is not true. Sometimes you will find that you give a task to somebody, and they're not quite ready for it, or they're not really developed enough to take care of that. Other times, people do it because they just have abilities. But you can recognize that even in their abilities, they're quite not ready and not mature enough to 
do them, but one thing that you can do and you must do is give people purpose and vision. If you can give people purpose and vision, then they're going to, they're going to fall in love with that. There's got to be something more than just a task. Um, I, I've been a painter for quite a few years, most of my life, and it's tough trying to break in a new painter, especially somebody that you're hoping that can make a really good helper and somebody that can actually do the job later on and become like you. Brother Frost told me many years ago, he said, the trick is to reproduce yourself. If you can't reproduce yourself, then you won't be successful in business, and that's so very true. But they've got to understand the purpose and the vision of what you're trying to teach them. Now, I have a son that helped me with painting, and I'll be honest with you, when he decided to go work for another place, my business took a big hit because he became one of those people that understood this is how you prep. And if you prep this right, then the next process is much easier. And then when you're done with the next process, sanding or whatever you're doing, then the finished product is going to look a whole lot better. So there's got to be something that is handed down more than just say, go do this. And then when they do it and uh, you begin to blast them and tell them that wasn't right. Now, that's painting. And can I tell you that he's a friend of mine and hopefully he'll, he'll understand what I'm saying. Brother Mark McAllister has become somebody that has discipled people in the music department. He's a very disciplined person, but he'll tell somebody, do it this way. And when it's not quite that way, he says, do it this way. And you keep working through that. Why? Because there's a reason why you do the things you do. You bring a product forward that sounds so much better than just throwing it out there. Oh, we're going to get together and we're going to jam for a little bit. And when it's all said and done, this is going to sound like something off a CD. That doesn't work that way. Most of the time, there's work that has to be put in to make it sound the right way. And so, believe it or not, Brother McAllister has become somebody that disciples people. That's a ministry. Music is a ministry. You're blessed in this church. We are blessed. I, I've been to so many places, and I go, and the, some of the places I thought, man, this music's probably going to be really awesome, and I'm very disappointed. And I don't know whose fault it is. But it's not Brother McAllister's fault because back at home we have a great music band that, that gets up here and they, they take care of the things they need to take care of. They, they have a purpose in mind. There's a vision for what they're wanting to put out there. And I'm thankful for that. So many times we think that discipleship is only teaching. You know, discipleship can be included in every ministry in the church, every one of them. You can bring people along and do so much for people by including them in a ministry somewhere. And, you know, I know when you get people on the platform, they're new people and they haven't received the Holy Ghost and they, they don't quite look like we do yet. You don't just throw them on the platform and say, hey, we're going to get them involved in ministry. But there's other ministries that, that we have in the church that you can bring them in. Cafe is one of them has been such a wonderful tool because you bring the newer people and you add some of the other people that are there. And we've had some great times because people are reaching out to somebody around them. That's discipleship. That's doing what we are supposed to be doing. Give them a purpose and a vision. I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. This passage of Scripture gives us insight into the Corinthian church and see Paul's respect and expectations for them. There are things that he tells them, I, I, I'm going to give you some props here. I like this about what you do. You fall behind in no gift. But there were some things that he began to tell them, and he told them, I beseech you, I want you to speak the same thing. I don't want divisions among you. How do you, how do you disciple people along when there's divisions? You ever seen a ministry that, that um, and it's happened. You ever see a ministry that there seems to be a little bit of confusion in, and they're trying to do something to bring new ones along, and it just doesn't seem to be working, and you realize that, you know what, there's got to be more focus put on something. And the problem is, is the people that's trying to disciple others don't have a vision. They don't have a purpose. They're just there, and it's, you know, they just want to try to do something. And so they've got to go back to the drawing board, and the people that are leading have to find that purpose. They have to find what drives them and what needs to be driving them. So there are four things that I want to go through. It's not going to take very much long, longer there's got to be a respect, number one, a respect for those that you're trying to disciple. And there are going to be people that come along, and we should not judge them by who they are now. I'm going to say it again. We cannot judge them by who they are now. We need to judge them by who God is trying to make them become. Again, I'm thankful not that I got much better, but I did get better sitting behind, in my books, one of the best B3 players in the world. If he judged me by what, the way I came in, it would have been pretty rough. But it takes patience, a thing that he'll probably tell you he doesn't have much of, but he has patience because I've seen it work. And it comes from somebody willing to sit with somebody and say this is what we want I remember one time I don't know if you remember this brother McAllister this is funny I think I know he's probably really mad at me that night so I got to look get my glass on because I can't see far away one night he asked me to do a certain role on the drums and I said you worry about the keys and I'll worry about the skins he may not remember that one that was funny to me it wasn't so much funny to him but if I listened to what he had to say and I played the way he wanted me to play and did this cut and did this cut and accentuated this 
over here and played straight right here, then what came out was something that he envisioned, and he, he knew that the vision for that was going to sound like this, and the vision that I had was going to sound like this way over here. And so in any aspect, in any ministry, there's got to be somebody that is willing to work through all the noise and say, you know what, there's, there's a purpose here, and the reason why I'm trying to tell you this is because I know. And so if you're involved in a ministry, um, especially in this church, you're going to find that most of the leaders are, are anointed people, number one, and they're trustworthy people. They're not just going to do things to, to lord it over you and make you feel small and insignificant. But if you will pay attention and do what they are asking you to do, you'll find that you will, you'll be involved in a ministry that can be used mightily of God. Amen? So respect them. Too often leaders, we, they, I, I'll just throw myself in there. Sometimes you want to look around you and say, you know what, this is failing because so-and-so didn't do their part. This is not working out because so-and-so, they don't know what they're doing. And that's an easy thing to go to because it takes you out of the limelight and says, you know what, it what, couldn't have been what I did or didn't do. And so the, 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 uh, the goals that you have set are not being met. And sometimes it's so easy to throw somebody under the bus, but we lay it at the people who aren't where they should be with Christ sometimes. And that's not a good attitude to have. We can't do that. So there's got to be some respect. David said in Psalm 139, 8 and 9, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. What may seem like a trial for somebody that you're trying to, to teach, somebody that you're leading, could be God working in that person's life and taking them to a place that, I can show you some things here. I can bring you to a place that you may feel like you're in the depths of hell, but God is in the middle of that. God knows where they are. And sometimes we're, we're judgmental and we're looking and saying, what in the world is going on? They're way off in left field somewhere. And God's saying, you know what? You need to just chill out just a little bit because I got this. I'm taking them to a place where they can be used mightily of me. And you can't teach them all of these things. I understand that as being involved in youth ministry for 19 years. There were some things we just could not do. There were some things that you, you wanted so much for young people. And you wanted so much sometimes to, to look at parents and say, please do something. Don't just, don't just lay it at the feet of the youth leaders. And there are other times that I began to watch as young people begin to find that secret place with God. And they were saying basically, you know what, it doesn't matter where I go, God's going to be there. It doesn't matter what I do, God's going to be there. And God was meeting them in special places and special times. And they were becoming right before our eyes because they understood, you know what, nobody grows at the same pace. I learned something in a, in a seminar that was not a apostolic seminar at all but they said sometimes we tend to rely on somebody that's been there the longest because we think they've gone, come so far and he said sometimes the people that have been there a little bit shorter have gone so much farther in the in the in their walk with God and in their faith that we're blown away we, we can't even 
fathom that they've gotten to this place already. And it's true. Sometimes people just don't grow that fastly, but not everybody grows at the same pace. So instead of being critical of these people, when we feel like they've let us down, learn to respect those who come and having walked with Christ previously, do not expect that you are starting at ground zero. I'm reminded that he's not here tonight, but Brother Sean Pettis received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in a Methodist church. God was willing to find him in a Methodist church and say, I've got a gift for you. And that's not where he stayed, but he found an apostolic church that believed everything that God was trying to show him. So just because they have not been here all their life doesn't mean that they don't have a walk somewhere. They don't have a desire to walk with God. We need to understand that. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So have respect for those around you. Amen. Evaluate. Evaluate. Friendship with people is the primary key here. Jesus said in the New Testament that as the good shepherd, he knows his sheep and his sheep know him. And so sometimes the best way to get to know somebody and try to get into their world, what are you good at? What do you like to do? What are your passions? So somebody comes here and Brother McAllister happens to meet them. Hey, what do you like to do? And somebody says, oh, I play keyboards or... I play guitar or I play drums or whatever, then Brother McAllister can say, oh, that's great. We've got a great band here. We have a wonderful band here. And he began to talk to that person. What happens is there is common ground, and you're able to evaluate somebody and their abilities, and you can understand how they fit in the kingdom of God and how they fit in the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 17 talks about the body, and it talks about the body being one, having many members. And all the members of that one body being many are one body. For the body is not one member but many. Verse 14, verse 15, If foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Can I tell you something? Most days, my pinky toes mean nothing. Nothing at all. I don't feel them. I don't know they're there. But you can, you can guarantee one thing. If I'm up in the middle of the night looking for something, it's going to find a corner somewhere, and I'm going to know that that pinky toe is there, and I'm going to love on that pinky toe. It's not going to be insignificant. I'm not just going to walk around like, yeah, I didn't know it was there. Not a big deal. It becomes very important, and so every part of us is important. And when you look around the room tonight, every person that is here is important. Every piece is important. You know, I don't want to embarrass her at all, but you don't hear much from Sister McAllister. 
And that's a praying lady right there. She's a praying lady. I'm going to tell you something. You take the prayers of that one lady out of this house, and I almost can guarantee that there are less victories in the house tonight because of one voice that has been shut up. Not one person is expendable in this house. Not one person should ever be relegated to the back row and you don't mean anything. Your prayers don't mean anything. Your faithfulness doesn't mean anything. Your voice doesn't mean anything. You start doing that and you start trying to elevate yourself. But when you look around a room and say, every one of these people means something, they're part of my body. They're a part of my body. You know, I walk on my feet all the time. Today, for whatever reason, you know, they're just feet. I put them in my work boots. I go to work most of the time. They're okay. I get home. They're tired sometimes. Today, they were itching like fire, just all day, just itching. So I called my wife. I said, did you change the laundry detergent? What's the deal? Well, yeah, I did, but it's been like weeks ago. I'm like, well, <laughs> something's wrong. Well, I'm going to tell you, I didn't have a great a time at work today because my feet were itchy. How could you work with itchy feet? My feet were important to me today. And I'm wanting to claw my feet through my boots. And I mean, I'm like, I can't get anything done if I'm going to sit down and start taking my shoes off, take my socks off, sitting around there, you know, babying my feet. But that's the way it is in the house of God. Sometimes there's somebody in the house that's hurting. And sometimes we're so just stinking busy and just so concerned with what we're doing that we don't even notice that somebody's in the house. You know, when Jesus healed the man with a withered hand, some of them got upset. Well, he shouldn't be healing on the Sabbath day. And all I can think of is somebody came to the house hurting. And somebody got judgmental and said, he shouldn't be healing today. And can I tell you, when I come to the house of God, I hope, I pray that when I sit down that I'm thinking, you know what, maybe my prayers, maybe my worship will help those that are withered today. Maybe what I have to give and, and offer to God as a prayer and a sacrifice of praise, maybe it will reach out to those around me and they can be helped by somebody saying, I don't care why, I don't care what time of day it is, I don't care anything, I don't care about anything else but just coming to the house of God and praying and seeking his face and finding that place of prayer and supplication with God for somebody else. I don't need it all the time. Sometimes I feel like I'm on top of the world. Other times I don't. Other times I feel like, you know what, somebody's going to have to pray for me because I'm just all sorts of messed up. But I'm thankful for a house of God, the people that understand, they come into the house of God and there's a praise on the lips of people and there's a, there's a dance in the step of some people. And I can look around sometimes and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's some elders saying, man, I wish I was about 40 years younger. I'd love to just dance a jig right now. You can see it on their face. And I'm thankful for the young ones that can just take off running and do all that stuff. I, I could still do just a little. Just a little. Some days I feel much older than I am. But I'm thankful for that. Amen. Nurture. Nurture is a word that implies to allow something to grow by encouragement and removing obstacles that would bring growth. Romans 15, chap, uh, chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. 
I heard of a, a young lady that was in a ministry that she felt like she had the gift of encouragement, but she didn't know how to use it. And so she was involved in a ministry, and somebody said, well, you know, there are a number of things you could do. You could write notes. You could call people. You could start a prayer list. My personal favorite, bring apple pies, plural. And not too long ago, we, we started something here that we've been uh, trying to get a hold of some of our prodigals. And we have, we have sent quite a few cards out to some of our prodigals. And I wish I could be in the room someday when one of them receives a card and they're at their lowest and a card comes from the church that they used to go to and it reaches in and does something. Not because it's something that I thought up or said, hey, can we do this? Because sometimes just at their lowest, people just need encouragement and there's so much that can be done and it, sometimes it's so simple and it doesn't feel like it's, it's that big of a thing to do. And yet a little card, a little note, I have been in multiple people's houses in this church. And I have moved to multiple different places. And Sister Black's mother did this for years. And somebody else has picked up and started doing it. But I remember at, at multiple addresses. I mean, the first, I don't know, first five or six years we were married, we must have moved at least once a year, seemingly. And I remember getting cards from Sister Black's mother. Didn't matter where I was at. It's like she knew exactly. She put GPS on me or something. It's like, oh, they moved over here. Now I'm going to send a card over there. She had a way of figuring that out. I've been in multiple people's houses and saw that same handwriting on cards in different people's homes, and I'm blown away. I was working in the McAllister's home and saw one on their, their bar of their kitchen. wasn't being nosy. It was right there. I'm like, I recognize that writing because somebody said, you know what, there's just a few things that I could do, and this is one of them, and they were so good at it. You're going to tell me that that wasn't helping somebody along the way. It wasn't helping disciple somebody. It wasn't helping somebody in a, in a rough situation sometimes, a rough day, and they open the mailbox, and there's a little card that says, thinking of you on your birthday or on your anniversary. There are so many things that can be done for people. So nurture people. And the last one, and Brother McAllister, I don't think I'm going to need anything tonight. I think we'll just close, and we'll go home, and we'll think about this. Brother, Brother Bryce told me I need to tell everybody. This is, this is uh, part one of a three-part miniseries. And if you want to get the rest of them, they're going to be $10 a piece online. We were joking. I told him I parked in pastor's spot tonight just jokingly. I didn't. I am so thankful for, for the opportunity, and we do joke a lot, and I'm thankful for the guys that sit up here and guys that are um, somewhat my peers, I guess. Um, we have a good time. The last one is train, train. Luke 6, 39 and 40, and he spake a parable unto them, can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be his, be as his master. 
The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. This word perfect does not denote perfection as we know it. I have heard some fantastic music, and it sounds completely perfect. And I've also been in studio where you have to go back and do that over and over and over and over and over again and know that it takes work to get to perfection. But this, this word perfection or perfect doesn't actually mean perfect and without spot or blemish or anything. It actually means maturity or growth. And so the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is mature shall be as his master. So there's a process in all of this. We're not trying to be, you know, we don't have somebody looking down their nose saying, you need to be perfect. I mean, no sin. I mean, you can't tell any kind of white lie. You can't do anything. You can't go here. You can't think this. But there's teaching that goes forth that brings us from point A to point B. And all of a sudden, you see a difference in a man that came and was way different 10, 15 years ago. And today he stands there, not perfect as we like to think, but somebody that has matured in Christ and, and has grown into something in the house of God. And you say, wow, that's a different person that I see today than I did before. And so you can disciple people that don't get greater than the master, but they can be on an even keel. They can be the one that stands and begins to proclaim the gospel because he was given an opportunity, because he was trained by the master. Training can be done in a manner that doesn't make somebody feel as if they are a pupil. You can connect in a way that feels if you are, feels like you are friends and fellow workers in the kingdom of God. Sometimes keeping it informal is a great way to teach somebody. You don't have to sit there and say, okay, we're going to be structured. Get your tie on. Man of God should have a coat on. Put a coat on. You don't have to do that, but by walking daily in, day in, day out, by the way they walk, by the way they talk, by the way they act, by the way they interact with people, by the way they talk with strangers, by the way they share their faith, and can I say, by the way, that they pray. I've watched both my pastor and my bishop, and I'm grateful to God for men of God that know how to pray, that know how to touch the throne of God. So there's got to be an encouragement in the word also in prayer. Instead of just solely depending on their teacher, or it may be you, it may be somebody else, but depending on them for instruction or direction. There's got to be a place where you go, you tell somebody, you know what? You just can't look at me anymore. Okay, we're going deeper in this thing. You've got to get a prayer life. You've got to get in the Word. There are ways to connect with people. And remember, it was kind of funny to me, but a man that used to go to church here, Jim Rice, the first time I read him, um, read, the first time I met him, he said, what do you do? And he began to ask me questions. He was just trying to get to know me. He said, what do you do? What do you like? What are your passions? You can do that to people. You can ask people, have you ever asked somebody, what, what five books influenced you more than any, any other book besides the Bible? Have you met people like that? I've met people like that. And it, it makes you think. makes you 
exercise your brain power. One thing that I kind of has become a a thing with me, just silently. You're going to meet a lot of people in life. And I know what it's like to I know what it's like to be in a place where the finances aren't flowing all that great. And you can meet a lot of people sometimes that are in that same predicament. Something occurred to me not too long ago. It's been probably a year or so ago. There's nothing wrong with no making sure that you have at least five bucks on you or have something in your bank account that you could, you meet somebody, take them to get them a dollar coffee at, at McDonald's and sit down and have a talk with them. It may be one of the greatest connections you ever make when you talk to somebody about Jesus just out of the clear blue. Somebody walks up to you and say, you know what, have I ever told you about Jesus? Just simply buying them a cup of coffee may be something that has never been extended to them. I'm not saying everybody should put a $5 bill in their wallet, but that would be kind of cool if that was something that was implemented and everybody said, that, that's for that person. If I, if I meet that person, I'm going to take them for a cup of coffee. Those are the kind of things that you do things on purpose like that because you never know when something may happen. You may run into somebody that you, you never saw before, and God said, this is the one. This is the one you need to talk to. So, respect, nurture, train. And let's think about more than just who we are. Let's think about what this church would be like if every one of us learned how to become someone that knows how to disciple somebody. Amen. Let's, let's stand tonight. I pray that somebody else got something out of that. I did. I did. And I found that a lot of times God talks to me through my preaching. I don't know if he thinks I'm too proud to listen to somebody else, but I'm like, well, thank God for that one. That was great. That was a great message you gave me right there. It hurt. It hurt because it changes who I am. It changes my direction sometimes, but I'm thankful for the house of God, a place to learn, a place to, to rise above all of the negativity in a world that is just nasty. I'm telling you, this world is getting horrible, and I'm, I'm thankful for this house. Amen. Let's pray as we're dismissed tonight. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We're so grateful to you for your word, Savior. So thankful, God, for the people in this house, God, that, that see value in this church, God. I pray that you would go with every one of us this week, God. I pray that you would help us to find that someone that we can connect with, God, and help disciple them to a relationship with you, Savior. I pray that you would go with every one of us and help us to be who we need to be in you. In Jesus' name, amen. As you go, shake five or ten people's hand and let them know that you...